It's Monday, Feb 5 on the Splash today, but of course an unforgettable Sunday over in America. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, defeating the New England Patriots uh, 41 to 33 uh, in Super Bowl 52. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today on the Splash. For your daily dose of sporting agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome into The Splash, joined as well by NFL journalist here at Fox Sports Australia, Guardian Otelovitz. Welcome, your uh, big debut. Yeah, big debut on the biggest day in American sports. Exactly. <laughs> Good time to make my debut. Exactly. The, the, the most watched sporting game uh, this year, do you reckon, or probably the FIFA World Cup final? World Cup, we'll, we'll, we'll monitor yeah. it probably. Yeah, yeah. So the second biggest sporting <laughs> event of the year uh, is what we're here to talk about. And what an epic game that was. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. From start to finish, I, I turned to Olga, our basketball reporter, and said to him that you could probably write about four different match reports just on each quarter alone. It was that ridiculous. Just yeah. so many turning points, so many defining moments. And uh, one of the other uh, NFL uh, gurus in the Fox Sports building decided to take the day off. He's that passionate about NFL. I speak, of course, of Laurie Haresh, who has been on the program discussing NFL previously. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to phone him in and see what he reckons about the, big, uh, the biggest game of the year. Laurie, have you got me? Laurie, welcome to the podcast. How was that? What a game. I think if you were looking for that tight, tense, uh, low-scoring affair, this one was not for you. But if you were looking for a true test of offensive metal, quarterback pressure, and who exactly could deliver in the fourth quarter on both sides of the trenches, that's what you got. Uh, yeah, an absolute shootout. 41-33. Philly, five touchdowns. Uh, and Tom Brady's New England, four touchdowns. Was this the game that, that you were expecting? Uh, no, to be fair, I thought this game would be closer around both teams, you know, flirting around the 20 mark. Um, while there were some standout defensive plays, and quarterbacks certainly had the better of for most of the game, I thought Nick Foles were absolutely sublime. His ball placement was truly phenomenal. Um, just trajectory control, timing, throwing guys open, anticipation, it was all there. And I don't think I'm alone in laying that, pl- you know, applause down as far as. Tom Brady's concern, you know, a, a really stellar second half. I think there were some yardage totals that were pleasing the first half, but there's no doubt he missed throws. There's no doubt mm. that he felt the heat at some time. And, you know, when when he thought just for a moment that that pass rush from Philly was going to disappear, um, it stepped up late in the fourth quarter, unlike any team he's faced in the, in the playoffs so far. Where are you? Where did you uh, decide to watch the Super Bowl? Who, and you with some of the other work crew? Uh, look, I was with some of the other worker. I mean, it was at an undisclosed location on the lower North Shore. Um, it's not my natural habitat, but it was fine, a fine uh, offering put on show by the uh, local uh, brewery. And, uh, and you know, I'm happy to say that I think the, uh, my research shows that the NFL audience and NFL fandom in Australia is only going from stride to stride and only going from intellect to intellectual power as, as we go season by season. Gardy, of course, wasn't afforded the the uh, the option of a day off because other people uh, pulled rank. It seems I was left uh, live blogging. I mean, I can't complain. 
got to watch the Super Bowl and, and doing it for work. Got, but paid, also, yeah, got, got paid to watch, got the, paid Super to watch the Super Bowl. So I'm yeah. never going to complain about that. But it would have been nice to have a beer in my hand and to be down at a bar just, just enjoying the game. Hey, Laurie, um, how did the, the anthem uh, timing bet go firstly? I know you were putting a lot of research into this one. Uh, was that something that you collected on? Yeah, I did collect on the anthem, and to be fair, without any YouTube vision of any previous performances from, from Pink, it was very tough going, and I think Vegas felt that as well, putting up a middling line of around, you could get it at over two, two minutes, over two minutes and one second, over two minutes and three seconds, three and a half seconds, that's where it was. Very, very middle-of-the-road territory, and I really struggled for a gut feeling, and then yesterday I was doing research and trying to find a beat, and, and there it was, Pink on Instagram, uh, saying that she was dealing with the flu, and to me that was enough to say, Perhaps not able to hold the notes as long as you want. Perhaps not ready to be out there in the tough conditions as long as you want. She's going to steal it out. She's going to muscle it out and really show some grit and determination. But not enough to really carry that that length, that that length and that anthem with the dramatic pause and, and pageantry that perhaps a Lady Gaga did. Interesting. Yeah, good collect. Hey, what about um? Just before we, we I ask you some serious questions, what did you make of um uh, of Justin Timberlake's halftime uh, effort? which does seem to have uh, divided opinion. Well, I'm not sure which way it's divided most people, but as far as I'm concerned, it was, it was a little karaoke-ish. It was a little less rollout than here. wasn't too energised. I thought the set was lacklustre. Uh, the one thing I was absolutely happy about, and I said this everywhere I, I could, everywhere they'd give me a platform to, was that um, was, I was hoping for the Prince tribute in Minnesota, and we got that. It wasn't a hologram, which is going to uh, dodge some controversy because Prince was a known... Um, opposer yeah. uh, to hologram technology, thought it was quote-unquote demonic. Um, so they, they kind of dodged that with a projection onto the high screen, which was, of course, a feature of his infamous performance in 2007. So by the, the Prince, uh, you know, homage that really got the home crowd going, I, I thought it was a little lackluster. I thought the opening bit where it was a silhouette really looked like it was just an ad for the uh, halftime show. So uh, it fell short on me, and I'm, I'm already leading the chorus, but I think it needs to be outcast in Atlanta next year. <laughs> hey, Gardy, um on the field, the first major talking point, I suppose, was uh, Malcolm Butler, not obviously one of the Patriots' key defensive um, players in that secondary. He didn't even get the start. What happened? Well, Belichick was asked about it after the game, said it was a purely football decision, said it was a decision he made with, with the game in mind. Best option for the Patriots was to not play Butler. Didn't really pay off, considering yeah. they, they gave up 41 points to a Nick Foles offense. So, I mean, you look back at that as a pretty important decision. Patriots secondary, that gave up a lot of yards, and Belichick was made to pay for it at the end of the day. Laurie, what, what did you think? A Super Bowl uh, legend, um, you know, having made one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history, uh, ending up uh, not on the park to start this one. I agree with much of the sentiment that Gardy laid down. I thought, this is Belichick, right? He makes his, his decisions based on precedent, based on setting example. Uh, no matter the talent, but I think, I think it's pretty clear that we're going to have the name Malcolm Butler on our mouths as we go into free agency. You seem to catch him at quite an emotional point uh, as they were going through the pregame rituals and, and songs and national anthems and the like. Um, so I think when you look at it in totality, it's, it's clearly something we're not getting the full information on. Uh, they claim it was a football decision. People threw all sorts of medical reasoning around. But in the end, I think what's going to come out of this is it, it didn't help the Patriots. They clearly struggled to stop um, stop the 
the, the Foles led offense all day, and uh, and Butler's going to be a huge source of uh, of contestation and rumors over the next couple of months as we head towards free agency and towards the draft, and as picks get dealt and and uh, and player rumors make their ways around the thirty two franchise. Uh, later on in the game, Laurie, the Zach Ertz touchdown had everyone talking. Of course, we saw Jesse James a few weeks ago for the Pittsburgh Steelers have a touchdown called back because his catch didn't survive the ground. Today, Zach Ertz was ruled to have completed the catch. Uh, did you agree with the decision? I absolutely agree with the decision. I think it's far time we get past the absolute malarkey and nonsense of casting a really dark cloud over the game. He clearly had established himself as a runner. Um, he wasn't going to ground on his own volition. He was going to ground through the tackle after he'd established himself, after he'd got two hands on the ball, after he'd done everything possible mm. as far as the football field is concerned to establish himself as a runner. And for me, this just, uh, uh, in my opinion, the solution's pretty simple. I think you say as soon as a player extends, they have control and have established themselves. Because if you do the science and you play out all the machinations and all the possibilities, you throw in uh, any theory you want. If you extend the ball, when you don't have control, you will lose the ball. You will mm. fumble it, it will bobble, it will be very apparent to everyone that you have not secured the ball. Once you extend, you have secured. That needs to be the core of this rule going forward. Dez caught it, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> first caught it. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, probably the next big play was was finally a, a play for the defensive diehards out there, of course. Uh, Brandon Graham, defensive end for Philadelphia. He interrupted Tom Brady. He caused the fumble, uh, and it set up Philadelphia's match-winning, you, you might say, field goal low. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a game for, um, you know, defensive diehards out there, but this was probably... One of those big plays which is going to be um, relived on highlight reels forever. I think you're right. And while this was not a game for defensive statistics or particular lockdown defense, the cliches will be thrown out there. This wasn't the 85 Bears. This wasn't the you know turn of the Millennium Ravens. But what this was was a pass rush finally turning up in the fourth quarter against Tom Brady. Um, mm. They disappeared there for a while, but on that final drive, when Tom Brady was trying to engineer a last-moment miracle comeback, the pass rush turned up. They made his feet jitter in the pocket again. They disrupted throwing lanes, uh, and they moved him from his spot, so he wasn't perched back there, poised and controlled, uh, sitting there in the pocket. Um, so, yes, it wasn't a game for statistical greatness as far as defensive players are concerned, but Brandon Graham stepped up. Fletcher Cox had some moments on that last drive where he stepped up. Chris Long pushed the pocket there, a man that we should make notice of because he did give away his entire salary this year to charity. So the pass rush finally turned up against Tom Brady in the 2017-18 playoffs in the fourth quarter, which it hadn't against Jacksonville. We know that for sure. I just hope, uh, Laurie, Tom Brady isn't too heavily criticised for not coming away with this match, considering, I don't know if you, you're at the pub, so you might not have caught this little this, this little slice, but Brady threw for 505 yards, three touchdowns, of course, the first time in playoff history that a quarterback has thrown for 500 yards. Not too bad. No, not too bad, but let's be real. There were moments in this game, but the numbers are fine. The numbers are absolutely fine. But when you're watching that game and where moments were in throughout that game, there were missed throws by Tom Brady. There were times where he did feel ghosts in the pocket and did, did throw off balance, and uh, the pass rush did make an impact on him. And 
as far as I'm concerned, Tom Brady today put up fine numbers, but welcome to Peyton Manning's world, welcome to Andrew Luck's world, and welcome to Tony Romo's world, where there was literally zero room for error for Tom Brady with the way the Patriots' defense is playing. Mm. There was. That's frankly the, the reality of the situation. Uh, and when that happens, and you you know you may know, not throw the killer blow, you may not throw a killer pick six or something of the like, but uh, when there's zero room to move uh, and you're up against a team that played as dominantly as the Eagles did, uh, that can just be the way the story unfolds. And, Gardy, uh, as for Nick Foles, the, the match-winning quarterback, what, were you th- what was going through your mind in that first half where um, a few audibles are called at the line of scrimmage close to the Patriots' end zone and all of a sudden Nick Foles is receiving a pass for a receiving touchdown uh, to go along with a mammoth uh, stat line? Well, first of all, I mean, credit goes to Doug Peterson all game with the aggressive play calling. I mean, on that fourth and one and on the fourth and one with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Mm. But on that play, it was made even sweeter by the fact that Brady dropped the pass earlier in the game when he had that trick play yeah. going out to the right. But, I mean, Foles picking up that pass, it was it's just his, the entire redemption story of Nick Foles is just unbelievable. And today, I mean, he put on a show. Yeah, Laurie, you alluded to it earlier on, but... 373 yards for Nick Foles, three passing touchdowns and that receiving touchdown. Did you think that he was capable of this performance in this biggest game of the year? Capable, sure. Likely, no. Um, (laughs) I didn't think, to be honest, Nick Foles would be able to produce the way he did. His his talent, you know, it's there. He's he's really shown the ability to to work the safeties with his eyes, to keep his eyes downfield, to throw with velocity, time, and placement. He's shown all of that, as well as some pocket awareness. But I didn't think he was going to put this up today. And, you know, I love what Gardy said there about gutsiness. I think that extends from the coaching staff uh, to Nick Foles himself. There was an attention to detail in the highest pressure situations today, whether it was the, you know, the, the, the play actions or the run actions and the RPOs, whether it was the way he sold that he was doing absolutely nothing on that trick play touchdown itself. You watch the replay, he's given up completely. He looks like he's out there playing the role of Jay Cutler before he breaks out wide, wide open. Um, I thought attention to detail was phenomenal. And on these huge stages when the pressure is at its utmost, if you're able to maintain that composure and maintain that, you know, detailed execution, that's going to be what separates you. Hey, Loz, remember a couple of weeks ago we did a season review podcast on the splash and I called it Philly in a, in a shootout. You did. You did. I'm, I'm absolutely guilty to hearing that. <laughs> Enough about me, Loz. Thanks for joining us. Get back to your beer. Oh, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm already into draft tape, guys. I'm, I'm 100, 150 prospects deep. Need you guys to catch up with me because the real season's starting now. <laughs> Laurie Haresh there. Uh, apologies for the audio quality. Um, it's clearly, uh, he's clearly having a lot of fun up there with, with, as always, with Laurie. The newsroom's half empty. Uh, a few of them decided to take the day off work. Rightly so. It is Super Bowl day. Uh, good luck to them. Hey, Guardy, uh, I know you were frantically live blogging uh, during this Super Bowl uh, at here at for the Fox Sports website today. Did you have a chance to see any, any of the famous Super Bowl ads involved in the broadcast as well? Yeah, as you said, I didn't get a chance to see many. I'm pretty sure I saw an M&M ad with uh, Danny DeVito turning into the red M&M. That was kind of funny. Okay. Um, but other than that, I hear that they're, they're all on the Fox Sports website. So if you want to have a look, there were some perlers that I heard about. Yeah, okay. And of course, all the highlights at the Fox Sports website. 
as well. Guardy, anything else we probably need to mention about this game, or should we wrap this thing up, you reckon? I think wrap it up. Just yeah. credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. First title since 1960. Cinderella yeah. story. First Super Bowl, of course. Congratulations to... Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, hope you enjoyed our Super Bowl review. And until tomorrow, that's a wrap.